0: Welcome to Up The Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. I'm Paul, your host. I've got Mark Holmes with me today. Beautiful voice, and he's going to talk about his love of the villa. He now lives in Perth, so we've got another Aussie villain here. And uh, hope you enjoy the interview. Welcome to Up The Villa, the Australian Villa Fans Podcast. We've got a guest today, another Villa fan, which we're trying to do a lot. We've got Mark Holmes uh, on the line with us.
1: Mark, pleasure to have you on. Yeah, great. Th- thanks for having me on, mate. Uh, I was uh, enjoying a good chat about Villa. And um, I've been listening to a lot of your episodes recently, and it's a really good podcast. And I'm looking forward to, to listening to more of it.
0: Oh, look appreciate that very much, Mark. And uh, your accent, jeez, uh, a bit of a different one there, mate. Where's uh, Where's the accent from?
1: It's uh, County Cork in Ireland. It'd, be, uh, it'd actually be the same city as our own uh, Conor Horan. So we would have gone Absolutely. up there. Absolutely. Not too far off from each other, yeah.
0: Oh, it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful accent. And he's a player who is, I think, really unlucky. Uh, just was at the club at the wrong time. And one of those players who gave everything and still loves the club. It's unbelievable. Um the the love you can have for a club that probably didn't treat you as well as they could have
1: well i think i think you'd find it hard to find a, a fan that doesn't really appreciate what he did you know um i think i think in the championship he was absolutely outstanding and he played a massive part in us getting promoted i think um maybe he was a victim of the club's success going forward in the premier league maybe maybe you know it's hard to uh it's hard to pinpoint it is. Where he, where he's going to go from here, but I think he'll always be respected at Villa, you know? Oh, I think you'll be loved. And, and it's his
0: um, genuine love of the club that comes through any tweets or any uh, re- recordings he has as well. So tell us, you know, there's a lot of people, I've got a, I've got a bit of an inkling of no idea of why you're a Villa fan, but can you tell us why you are a Villa fan?
1: Well, I was born in 1985 and um, going to school that time uh, when I started school just in the early 90s, everybody at school followed Man United and Liverpool in, 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 my class, in my school, you know, just uh, mainly Man United at the time, Ma- massively supported. And uh, if you remember like the 92 93 season, I would have been maybe oh, I was six or seven, maybe seven or eight. <laughs> and um, uh, all my friends at that time, my closest friends, they're all United fans. And Villa were neck and neck with United for the league title. At the time, you remember the first year there Oh I'm yeah, oh I'd
0: definitely.
1: So, so I think I just kind of went against the grain with my mates, you know. Um, and then the following year I kind of got more and more into football. And um, that year that have uh, Villa Villa beat, yeah, United in the Coca-Cola Cup final. Just uh, my love for them just absolutely grew. And Dean Saunders became my first real cherished hero, you know. And um, that same summer, Ireland the Republic of Ireland, the country, went into meltdown because we had done so well at the 94 World Cup. And at the time, it was absolutely stacked with Villa players. You had Ray Houghton, Paul McGrath, Steve Saunton, you know, Andy Townsend. just, And um, it was just, they, be, they all became national heroes, but obviously Paul McGrath being the main one, you know. And yeah, my love, and there's actually quite a few Irish Villa fans, you know, from over the years. We've all, there's always been an Irish connection to, to Villa, you know. Yeah, one of my one of my
0: favourites uh, Villa podcasts is uh, I think it's called For the Love of Paul McGrath. Um, so I I definitely know there's a lot of Irish fans, and it's interesting because I'm a lot older than you, um, a lot lot older, and I had the same thing where Liverpool and Man U were the clubs that everyone followed. Where I grew up in Melbourne, and I even played for a club called the Red Devils myself. Oh, but yeah. uh, seeing that Villa shirt on one of my uh, one of my gaffers, a young gaffer. Um was wearing a villa shirt, and that's how I fell in love with Villa. It was a different shirt to anything I'd seen.
1: Oh, brilliant. Just uh, when hey. you were saying about the um the love upon grab podcast, yeah I, I listen to every episode of that as well. I actually I actually stay in quite stay in touch quite a bit with Paddy Paddy oh, Kelly yeah. That does that. yeah Paddy Paddy's a great man and he's he's really connected within the club as well. so any questions I've had from you know he's he's a very good man to stay in touch with he's a good good contact to have and he's a really, really, really nice guy like and um, we've never actually met face to face, but we've had many a conversation with them and uh, you have great time for them. And they do great work, the two lads, you know. It's obviously oh. very, very relatable for me as well, you know, Um, with we, an Irish background. But as I said to you in the text, like I'm an avid podcast and villa listener, I listen to heaps of them, you know. It's, and it's been, um, yeah, it's just, I think it's a great way to stay in touch. The podcasting scene has been fantastic, really, hasn't
0: it? I, I agree. And um, one of my favorite things, um, I struggle to listen to my own podcast. So one of my favourite things is getting yeah. people like yourself on and, and just finding out why you followed Villa and, you know, some of your favourite players and memories. So have you, um, it sounds a bit facetious to ask this, Mark, but have you, got to, have you had the opportunity to get to Villa Park much?
1: Yeah, I've been a bit. Yeah, I've been a bit. I've had some, uh, I've had a successful trip and I've had a, a couple of disaster trips as well. <laughs> but, um <laughs> Yeah, so um, as I mentioned to the last time, the last time I was back there was uh, March 2020, and uh, I, I flew back here from, I left Perth. Um, Mrs. and kids stayed here in Australia, it was a, kind of a two-week lad trip away. So uh, af- after I landed in um, Birmingham Airport on the, the Thursday morning, um, got, a, got on the airport Wi-Fi. And I got a text from a mate saying, one of them that was coming over to meet me, he was like, oh, things have really changed the last 24 or 48 hours with COVID. And I don't know where the game's going to go ahead. And I was like, all right. And it was around uh, St. Patrick's Week as well. And there's a big Irish community in Birmingham. So there's a bar there called uh, The Crown. And it uh, it was doing an evening with Paul McGrath at night that I landed. So I, I had tickets to that. So I went to that, and it was brilliant, you know, Paul McGrath's, obviously, you know, absolutely revered amongst the Irish and Villa fans, you know. Oh, yeah. So um, that night I went to bed in the hotel, pretty jet-lagged, woke up on the Friday morning, had the tickets for the, the Villa and Chelsea game on the Saturday, and the uh, first bit of news I heard was Callum Hudson-Odive was that the Chelsea player was after catching COVID. So I was like, oh, this is definitely going to get cancelled. So uh, my mates couldn't fly over then because Ireland was shutting down. So... Uh, I jumped in the taxi from the hotel and I went down to Villa Park and I went into the ticket office and as I was coming in, you could see all the TV truck cameras were leaving. So, oh. And then the word had just come through that they were putting postponing the whole Premier League programme. But we had the stadium tour booked for the Sunday as well, so the whole lot got cancelled. Um, I went into the ticket office and I got talking to the lady there just uh, about the tour or whatever and she was like, look, things are shutting down. But she... She's like, I can't believe you were right from Australia yesterday. So she actually rang one of the security guards in Villa Park, explained what happened. So is there any... And they were shutting the stadium at the time, so they let me go into the new bar on the North Stand just to have a look around because you can see right into the stadium, you know. Yes. But uh, they couldn't leave me any further than that, obviously with dressing rooms and all that. So uh, I was very disappointed because I never, I never seen, um, I never seen a got to do the stadium tour there, you know.
0: Oh.
1: The last. Sorry. Oh, no, keep going, Mark. Sorry. So, this, this, so that was uh, hugely disappointing, you know, to actually be there. It was a real game I was really looking forward to, you know. and uh, But I was at that stage, I was nearly more disappointed about the stadium tour. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just just one of them time, times, though, wasn't it? It, it, it is. And, and I think if you
0: look around the world of sport beyond just um, the world game, crowds are down everywhere. So, even though people are still crying out for live sport, I think – with our relationship for the next few years with sport and major events has changed. Um, you know, we, we had someone who was sick at a concert yesterday, uh, some rapper kid LaRoy or something, some young bloke, yeah. and he canceled his concert thinking he had COVID and canceled the concert half an hour late. So people were already in. And, wow. and, and that's happening so often now, like th- these things didn't happen. And I just wonder if we're going to become a TV audience again. And I know in Australia we have to for, you know, to see Villa. But I think things are really changing and I don't think sport has kind of cottoned onto that yet.
1: Yeah, I know. I I have to agree. And it's, um, I suppose everything is kind of changing because, you know, the regular uh, season ticket holders, the Villa over the years and stuff like, like the older generation, they would have been three o'clock kickoff Saturdays. That would have been everything. No, yep. with TV times you've got the half twelve game, you've got the half five game. You know, yourself living in Australia, it's like having a part time job there. Be getting up at three a.m. in the morning to watch games before work, and it's um. But we're also very lucky that we have such access to the games because you don't have that kind of access in Ireland and England, you know. No, and um, because they, they they're not allowed to show three o'clock games because it affects attendances and the and whatnot, you know.
0: Don't, don't you think that's ridiculous that they think it does affect affect attendances, right? Because you know, for Villa, there's, you know, a massive, for most clubs, there's a massive waiting list to get that season ticket. And I just find it archaic that that people can't stay at home and watch it because the grounds aren't getting that much bigger. Unless you become a Tottenham or, um, you know, an Arsenal, you're a Man you and everyone where your, your grounds are getting bigger and bigger. I just think it's 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 really weird thinking. Um, we still get huge crowds in the AFL in Australia, and, and the games are all live. Yeah, no, I,
1: no I, I agree hundred percent. Yeah, and but I think it's beautiful to watch it on TV. But I think it's also for, for the like if you lived in England, like it's also to remember that it isn't the TV program too. You know, I mean, yeah. it's great to watch it. I mean, but there is nothing better than watching a match live. Like, no. that, it, it's just it can't be beaten, and no.
0: that's
1: and that's and and I don't think like. As I said, I'm not complaining. I'm absolutely blessed to be able to watch every game. But there's just nothing like being there. Even, e- even on an atmosphere that is maybe slowing down a bit, but I think would be fair to say. Yeah. You see things during a game. You just don't appreciate like spacing and like I'm, I love the tactics side of the game and stuff. I, I follow a lot of coaching seminars and stuff. So I love going to a game and seeing the spacing between the centre backs and just seeing how they set up. You know, things like that. You just don't see that in TV. So I think you get a much better grasp of how football, pro- professional football at the top level, works when you're at the game. And I think oh, that for most sports, you know,
0: hundred percent. That is with most sports. Like I always tell friends who who watch AFL or they don't know AFL enough. I always tell them if you haven't watched a lot of it, you need to get up high in a stadium because you can actually see the spacing. You can see the tactics teams are trying to employ. And if you're not versed in the game and you're watching it at ground level, it's just organised chaos. Um, And it's the same, you know, I think that's something for me I've really struggled with with Villa in the last year or two is not seeing the tactics we're trying to employ. We seem to be crowding the same areas, Um, one game we're going long balls over the top, the next we're trying to go out wide. I I hope Stevie G gets a bit of a grip on what he wants going forward because at the moment, for me, I don't see what our game plan is.
1: I'll be honest with you. I think Stevie G knows exactly what he wants to do. But he he doesn't have the players to do it at the moment. Um, And he slowly is. And I think... Or I think our starting eleven is going to look very, very different come sixth of August. You know, um, I I also believe he still needed that team to pull together and keep them up, which would have been his. That would have, would have been his uh, boardroom like that. He would have had to tell the board that's what they wanted: keep us up yes. and take it from there. Yes. He can't turn around and dish the players too much because he needs them still on a week on Saturday. But he will have learned so much since November. He'll know who's up for it. Like he'll look at Maddie Cash and say, right, hundred percent, he's in. Look how yep. look how quickly he brought Luca Dean in. You know, everyone says how oh, unfair that is to Target, but that's fair enough. Is Matt Target going to get you into Europe? I don't think he is personally, and that's no slight on him. But Matt Target's best season has been with no crowds. Yep. Does that does that that and, and and there's definitely a player there, but is there a player that can play in front of 40,000 and take that pressure every week? And that's the difference between top level players, I think. You know, and Stevie G knows this. He's 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 played with every type of player, every with. The ones that are confident, the ones that can't. He's seen it all. You know, he's he's been the top man at the top level of clubs for a long, long time. There's no one going to pull the ball over his eyes, you know? Well,
0: well, the signings before the season even ended, some of the signings, you know, I mean, we, we, the, the fact that Coutinho is signed, he's, you know, we had that fear that we were going to have another loanee that we all fall in love with, and then he goes off to another club. But he's on the phone talking to other South American players and players from Europe and stuff at the moment as well. So he's completely bought in. And I just cannot believe we got him for the price we got him. It's it's unbelievable. It's new territory for us.
1: But no, no, no other manager would have achieved that for us, you know. That's the reality of it. Like, I mean, Steve Brooks, all respect him. He done what he did, got us out, I know, he he's stabilized the club, but he's not signing players like that. Dean Smith's not signing players like that. Well, Dean Smith made some great signings, but there's great signings and there's Signings that can take it to the next level, and Gerard may not have even just signed Coutinho for his football ability. Gerard, no. he's also brought him for saying, "Well, if if Coutinho can sign for us, why can't you? Are you are you saying you're you're above Coutinho? You know, and that's a brilliant thing to be able to take, bring to a negotiation table."
0: Well, I, and and even having almost a backup players like um, uh, Char, you know, Chalmers. Who have we got? Um, we've just signed Kamara, obviously. Uh, the signings just continue to come in. We could be seeing the best Villa squad we've seen in decades you know, over the next, you know, six to twelve months, and I don't think that's any exaggeration because we have got the best keeper I've seen in many, many years.
1: Yeah, I know, I agree, and um, but I, I think it's going to bring a whole new pressure because I think the board have just said to Gerard, we'll back you, yeah. but you know, that backing with that backing comes, you, you know, he's 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 going to be under pressure to make Europe next year. I don't I don't think he can. Like he would have said to them, I need XX and X to make this team successful. But well, they go, Right, here you go, but make it happen. Because where do we go from here if it doesn't work, you know? We've tried everything. We've tried the young players, we've tried the inexperienced players, we've tried the experienced players. Now we're trying the real top level players. I mean, if that doesn't work, it's gonna be are the owners the owners aren't gonna keep pumping money in, you know. They, like, so you have they have to see it. They have to see something this year. And um I, I think we will, you know.
0: I do. I, do think we, I do think we will. And I think, as you said, there will be that added pressure. I think one of the areas that we are really struggling in, and I have said this on other podcasts, I own his shirt, but we cannot rely on an Ollie Watkins being our number one striker if we're going to make Europe. I, I'm sorry, we're allowed to say this about players. He is oh, great, he's going to be a great squad player and... It's just that first touch has let him down time and time again.
1: See, I think, yeah, I agree with you. And I, I think Ali Watkins, I wouldn't sell him to another club because I think there is a potential for him to shine and you don't want that to happen. There's definitely a player there. But I actually think having someone else as your first choice striker and having Ali Watkins to come off the bench for 20 minutes to go, his pace, his drive, that type of thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I, he just doesn't seem to be able to... Be the main man, if, if for lack of a better term, you know. I, 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 just he doesn't seem to handle it very well. Like when, when he was at um when he was at Brentford, he was scoring goals for fun. Now I know it's a different level, but he was never the focal point of that attack. Now I thought that Danny Ings, and I still think it's possible Danny Ings could become because I don't know how we've managed to turn him into what he is. I mean, right now, if Danny Ings didn't play for us, every Villa fan would be saying we need to sign the Danny Ings. Yeah, great. Yeah, Great. so and Gerard will know Danny Ings very well. It's just how much patience does he have with him? You know, like it's very hard. I hear a lot of people saying we've got to get rid of Ings and Watkins. It's very hard to replace someone like Danny Ings. I think Watkins is replaceable um, to some degree, but Danny Ings brings goals. Now, we haven't seen it, but we haven't seen much from Villa really over the year. So it's very hard just to blame it on Danny Ings. He's had a lot of chances, but if he starts going scoring goals, he will score you 20 goals a season.
0: Yeah, he'll get on a roll. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, um, at times, the, the blend of the squad this season, um, they were injured at different times when they were just coming together a few of the players. And it just felt like we couldn't quite get a break with, with getting those guys up front.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And I, like, you could say, right, we can go and sign another striker, but you've got to, for him to hit the ground running guaranteed. He has to come with it from within the Premier League because it can take players from overseas time to settle. yeah I, I don't think Gerard's going to take too much of a risk with that. Can he sign someone that's more natural finisher than Danny Ings? I don't think so. He can bring someone in to help him for sure, like definitely. But uh, I see a lot of people saying Danny Ings will be gone next year, but I, I don't see it. I, I think it would be very, very silly of us to just write thirty million off that quickly with someone who could. I see that there was uh, rumors of a, a, a swap deal for Ings to. Basuma. Now I would love to see Basuma come in because I think him and Camara is just two keep ball experts. They're both in the highest percentage of Europe yep. at keeping the ball um, in the top five leagues. Their statistics are just they're through the roof and they're exactly what we need. But Brighton are only a natural goal scorer away from top six, they create some amount of chances. They're one of the teams that we're going to be battling. They're they're moving. That Graham Potter is a good manager. And are we really going to give them that strike that they're missing? I don't think that's a smart move from us, personally.
0: No, absolutely not. Well, look, we, we've been told, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I, I almost have a laugh when I read some of the Villa posts uh, that people are putting up. You know, they're now saying, let's get rid of Mings. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, you know, you would have seen it so many times, people saying, let's get rid of Mings. Is, I think people are just
1: insane. Oh, absolutely. Look, I mean, I mean, there's no dancing around that Mings Mings, Mings does a mistake in him. But if, if he didn't have that mistake in him, he'd be playing with one of the top four teams. That's the reality. He's an excellent defender and we're, we're not going to replace him easy. Um, also, I think Mings has made a lot of mistakes covering for other guys and I think he gets the flak for it. Um, he has made mistakes himself. That's 100% certain. Of course he has. But I think a lot of time other players have been cut out of position. I think we're going to see a lot more from Mings when there's a proper hole in midfielder in front of him.
0: I totally agree there. I think a lot of the times, I think he holds onto the ball a little bit too long and he's looking for that outlet. Um, and unfortunately um, for him, we just haven't had that. Or And once again, it comes down to players being injured because a player I was super excited about signing and I still think there's a really good player there is Leon Bailey. If he can stay fit, if we can get him up and running he will provide that fast outlet. I'm not sure what you think about Leon Bailey, but I still think there's a really good footballer there.
1: Oh, he, he excites me, man. I think he's been very, very, very unlucky. You know, he's almost unlucky that he had such a good game against Everton because he became the victim of his own success after that. Because after that, he just had a bad run of injuries and all that. And then Villa Fa- certain sections of the Villa fan, I should say, started writing off. Oh, he's one game wonder. But just. It, it, oh, he has proven there's a player in there, 100%. And I think a good rest, a good preseason, hopefully an injury-free season, and, and he could be a weapon for us, you know? And it's also going to allow us to be a bit tactically smart because if they do bring in a second hole in midfielder, which I expect they will, that will also allow us to go to that from game to game. I don't think it's going to be every game, but, you know, with the double pivot and three behind the striker, which would allow Bailey come in. You could have a situation where you'd have a Bailey on the right. yep. Continue on the left and Ramsey through the middle or Buendia or whoever he chooses, you know, or even begin whatever he chooses with two proper holy midfielders there. Well, um, I, 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 I do think that it's going to be mostly 4-3-3, but I do think he wants to be more flexible because we, like, we've, we've been found out with 4-3-3. We've changed it a little bit. We've had a bit of success. Then we went to two up top and made a lot yep. of success. But the problem is we've been very same-same for a lot of games. And I just think that just comes down to dread not believing that he has the right blend of players to play other things. And well, I, think, I think we will see, we will see us being a bit more tactically smart over the coming season. You know,
0: totally agree with you. And I, we haven't even touched on another fantastic. What I think will be a fantastic signing in Diego Carlos. Um, he's going to give Mings that that protection in the uh, as a central defender as well.
1: Oh yeah, I've I, I watched a fair bit of um, Spanish League over the last couple of years and he's been fantastic and he's done it in a good partnership with Coende and, um, and I think he's going to be perfect and he's ready made for the Premier League he's rough, he's ready and um, he's ball playing and he's just no nonsense and I think that's going to take some of the pressure off Mings I actually think that he may take the captaincy off Mings this year just to take a bit of pressure off him I wouldn't be surprised I yeah, think yeah. Mar- possibly Martinez maybe even again, but I think he's going to He's going to take that. He's going to turn around to him and say, Look, I just, I think you just need to focus on yourself now. I wouldn't be surprised at that. Um, I don't, I don't see Mings leaving the club, but I don't see him being a, a, a guaranteed starter. I think there I think nobody's going to be a guaranteed starter next year, you know, and that's exactly Which, what you want.
0: I was about to say, that's exactly what you want. I suppose one of the, one of the only people who's a guaranteed starter, if he's fit, will be Martinez. Um, and, and yeah, he's true. another, and he's another player who's on the phone to, to his counterparts in South America and friends in Europe and stuff saying, come to us. So we, I agree with what you were saying about Coutinho as he's signing, but Martinez has also become that important cog of getting in people's ears and saying, Hey, this is a good club. We're going places you, you know, and imagine bringing Villa back to Europe. That would be a pretty good thing on your CV.
1: Yeah, it, it would be amazing. Yeah, and like like we're just that we're just fishing in a different size pond now. You know, Luca Dean as well. Like he's a seasoned international. He's Champions League experience, and you can see it. the last six seven games, like Luca Dean was just. A, I thought he was unreal. I thought he was amazing for the last six games, and he just gave you a little glimpse of what he can do. You know, and if you start putting get Coutinho firing after a full preseason, Dina put a good hole in a couple of hole in midfielders in there. Like there is the base of a very good squad. And Martinez. I, I I just I just think that we, with the right couple of more fine tuning, I think we can definitely have a, a decent crack of it next year because some of them players that are playing first first eleven now they'll drop in and that makes our bench stronger as well, you know. So instead of uh, instead of bringing um the likes of Elgazi and them off the bench, you're bringing a, a different quality of player that was starting this year, you know. So I think I, I think it's um well, I, I I there's a lot of positives to take but I've been here before, though. hey, <laughs> uh, so,
0: I'm 49, and I've followed Villa since I was seven, so I've been there as well. And I, you, you got me scared for the first time in a while. Um, you've said something really important there, Mark, about the pressure, because our fan base as a whole, the people I've met um, as individuals are some of the best people I've ever met. I, I really consider Villa a family to me. But as a general fan group, I'd have to say we're pretty nuffy. My God, we turn on our players quickly. Like I don't follow other club, like I don't worry about other clubs' fan groups because they don't, they don't concern me. But geez, we turn on our players quickly.
1: Oh, I know, I know, it, 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 it's insane. Like you, you could be the best player the club ever had last week, and this week they want you it sold. You know, it's just it's you, you. They really are judged game by game now, as opposed to over a season, and it's um. Yeah, it's. I, I think I, some players can handle that pressure, some can't. And uh, I think our fan base gets way too carried away. They still think it's 1982, some of them, you know. And, <laughs> I mean, and like, I I just I always say, like, the last, I, I went to the 2018 playoff final at Wembley, right? For, for yep. Bill and Fulham. Great day out. Terrible performance As we were speaking a while ago About sitting high up in the stadium Wembley is perfect for that Because you can still you've, You have a great view No matter where you're sitting But you're high enough up And like I don't even want to get into Steve Bruce tactics But it was awful that day It turned out to be The best loss of our It really s- did Recent history right Because yeah. If we went up Under that regime, it would have been terrible The following year We played Derby right We won it We were very good And we deserved to go up that year I think um, If you look where we are Now where Derby are since then I mean, it's talking cheese. Derby are in the height of trouble. I mean, they're like, they may not exist next year. Like, and and we still have, and here we are signing the likes of Coutinho and all that. And we still have fans complaining. Now, I know you can't keep saying, oh, look where we've come from. But you still have to look back and think, that's a long way in three, four years, you know? It's a massive boot. And like, they're like, oh, we need to be challenging for Europe. If it was that easy, then every club would be doing it we're slowly doing it perfectly. I I don't I don't think they want fast instant success. I think the the owners want to get there and stay there. You know what I mean?
0: And and it's it's harder in in those fans of my age and older. They they think it can just be done with money as well. It, 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 you only have to look at a team like Manchester United and the amount of money they've thrown at it. Um, and we'll see that with Newcastle going forward with the amount of money they'll throw there. I just think we're a really I think we're an attractive club. And I know Stephen Gerrard's a big part of that at the moment, but we're an attractive club, A, because of history, our ground. It, there's so many things as a player from Europe, why I'd prefer to go to a villa than sometimes even a Man U, because, because of the pressures and everything is slightly different as
1: well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, think, I think, to be honest, Richard, right now, and i not trying to get our heads ahead of ourselves, but if you were sitting down in a negotiation table and you had the choice between Villa and Man United, you're almost picking Villa now at the moment. I, I, I think players are going to be very slow to go, to go to United. Now, they'll always have their name, and I suppose with the change of manner, manager, Ten Hag now, but I think Villa are becoming a more of attractive proposition at the moment, you know? One's on the way up and the other's on the way down.
0: So I'm going to put you under a bit of pressure right now, okay? Uh, yeah. Jesse Lingard lines up for us uh, on the table. They put a contract down. It's pretty big. Do we take Jesse Lingard?
1: No, I wouldn't
0: take him. I ask that. I like that. I yeah. like that. Um, um, Martial, the contract's no. on the table. We have, a, we have a chance of signing Anthony Martial.
1: No, because we need players that are going to dig deep and fight, and he certainly doesn't do that. He has talent, but no, no, way. I, I wouldn't take him.
0: I really, I really love uh, both those answers. I was hoping that's what you would say. And and I think, you know, signing players um, from Spain, getting some players from France, what we've done the last couple of years, I think that is really the smart way to go. They're, the players in the Premier League are really, they're all well known. They're all well known when I say coached, they're looked at and scouted by opposition teams. There's not too many players right now that I would say for the price range we're looking at there, Mark. I wouldn't say there's too many players right now. I'd go, geez, I wish I had that player, that player, that player. Probably half of City's team I'd take.
1: Yeah, <laughs> just one or two of them, yeah. <laughs>
0: Mate, I, I, I don't know what, what you think, but I mean, watching... Watching Manchester City and their their stadiums, and that, I don't want to pick on crowds, but they're, they're just never going to be in England. They're never going to be one of the biggest followed teams. It's going to be the international following that's going to always make Man City uh, a massive team. But they'll never be the biggest team in England.
1: No, no, they'll never be the biggest team in England. They, they will definitely get a few new generational supporters. It's um, coming through the younger the younger people, but you're right, it's definitely more international. You only have to look at like um, Paris Saint Germain, they're the same, kind of trying to bite their way to a Champions League and stuff. And look, I don't want to be knocking other clubs, but Man City and PSG are the epitome of everything that's wrong with modern football. Now, I know we're spending money, but they have set the bar where if you want to even be anywhere near the conversation, you have to spend like that. And it used to be like that. And football, football's suffering because of it. You know, I, I, I genuinely believe that. Like, like, I remember, like, in the 90s, there when Newcastle and United were, yep. were, bat, were, were battling for leagues, Arsenal and United, Villa, Villa were lovely to watch, and it was just two teams playing four four two, smashing it out, and it was just, it was really exciting. Now, I know United were winning it a lot, but there were, teams were getting close. But, like, you look at some of the teams that Alex Ferguson lined up with, like, they're not littered with superstars, but he coached them. He made players better. He really he, did. Same with Arsene Wenger, you know, buying Patrick Vieira for three and a half million, buying Henri as the left winger and turning, you know, buying Nicholas and Elke for half a million and getting 23 million from off the Real Madrid, that type of thing. Now you've teams like Man City putting 100 million pound players on the bench in a game they need to win to win the league and don't even take them off the bench. So that's, you know, that's, that's, it's ridiculous. I've seen they're, they're after signing Haaland now and they are, already have signed your man Julian Alvarez from um, River Plate as well. So they aren't gonna play. So so what happens? He comes over and they send him off to Portugal for a year and then eventually he might make one or two substitute appearances and then he'll go off somewhere else. It's which just... is what Chelsea
0: which is what Chelsea's done um the last few years. If you look at some of the massive signings they've made, they've had so many players of a really high level out on loan, it's kind of insane. And I cannot feel sorry for a club like Chelsea. Um that very much were like City in a way. There's no way they would be where they are without all the money they'd spent. Um, but the one thing I'm really proud of with Villa is even if our owners do go and spend money for years and, and we climb up, people like yourself and so many people I speak to, we've not jumped on the bandwagon. And it's going to be a hard bandwagon to jump on, uh, jump on because Birmingham's not the most attractive uh, city in the world for a lot of people. Um, I love it, but uh, I think... We we can be pretty comfortable with our supporter group, and the same as Newcastle, with all the money they've got now, their supporters can be happy with whatever happens in terms of they've always been supported their club.
1: Yeah, no, no, I know I agree, and um, but it's yeah, it's 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 hard to know what's going to happen. I mean, like, where's it all going to end? Like, the bubble has to burst eventually. It can't keep happening. What's like, where's the the wages have just got out of control. Or look, at
0: Bar- look at Barcelona. I mean, they, they basically handed us Coutinho because they're in massive financial issues right now. I mean, they, they lose Messi. Um, they, you know, get rid of players like Coutinho for nothing, basically, really, in the scheme of what they've spent on them. I think he was the fourth or fifth most expensive player of all time. So something, the bubble, I don't know when the bubble's going to burst, but it's got to be getting
1: close. Yeah, and it's um, it's a shame because you look at Barcelona and stuff, like for years, instead of getting sponsored by a main team, they sponsored UNICEF yep, and yep. put the money into it. And even they had to sell that out now because they, they they can't compete with the other clubs around the world. So they've had to take a big contract from Spotify. And like that, that that goes against everything that was about good about Barcelona. You know, it was a people's club and they competed and they rotated their own players constantly. Like La Masia was bringing through endless. Players that's even going now, and it's really sad. Like the football's kind of gone that way, you know. <laughs> I, I, I love football, and I always will, but it's definitely not what it was. I mean, to be honest, Paul, and well, I, we had to get out of there because as a club, you have to. But I actually really enjoyed the three years in the championship because it was so miserable for the couple of years before that when we were just swirling around relegation, just waiting to go down, it was inevitable. And like, I was getting up at three o'clock in the morning, watching every game. Hard games to watch, mate. It became a chore. But I still did it because I loved the club, you know. We went down to the championship. Granted, we didn't light it up or anything, but we were competing again and we were just... And you just watched a couple of players that were being honest, playing football, just trying to play for the club again, you know. And, 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 and look, don't get me wrong, we, we, we became the Man City of the championship. We started splashing money. Tony Joy was throwing money at all the other clubs to get us up, you know. Yeah. And, but what I don't get is we nearly lost our... Status over it Financial fair play And they ruined it So how come we, we get pulled For doing that But then all the other clubs Get away with it I just I don't understand it You know it's, I don't you know, think
0: what? anyone does and, and I I had to explain Financial fair play To a couple uh, A couple young guys The other day um, And At the end We all just looked at each other And went Yeah it makes no sense Even Even what I'm saying Financially yeah. Compared to what actually happens Does not make sense um, thank God we did get promoted, though, because financial fair play would have destroyed us. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean that um, that Tony Joy was the most interesting owner I think we've ever had. Like, it's good job that we kind of lost that final. I didn't think that at the time, but like looking, you know, in hindsight, no. I mean, what would have happened if we got promoted? <laughs> I don't want to think. Of, I
0: don't want to think about where we'd be right now, mate. We wouldn't be doing this podcast. I don't think.
1: Yeah, it's um. I, look, I whinge about the finances of football and all that, but I am absolutely looking forward to the new season coming in again. You know, I, I just love this time of year, the transfer market. I just, you know, it's, it's what makes football great too, you know. I just I just think that the the, the, the divide is just getting a bit too big.
0: Like, oh, I, uh, I, I agree. Now, we, we've signed with Castori um, the kits and we, the, we're notorious for having some great kits and some very average kits. So I, I just hope, um, I follow Melbourne Storm in the uh, NRL and yep. other clubs that wear Castori and I'm, I'm a little bit worried about the quality of jerseys we're going to be buying next season.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, look, what, what can you do? I mean, if, 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 if they're pumping the money, into, if, they're, if they're putting enough money into the club it doesn't really matter for now, you know. Yeah. I think, uh, I think uh, I've heard it spoken on other podcasts and um, Paddy Kelly actually made a good point in the Love of grandpa, I podcast. He was like, down the line, when you start getting your big success, that's when you go back to your Adidas and all that, you know. Oh, it's I can't
0: an, wait. I can't wait to wear an, uh, an Adidas uh, jersey, mate. They've always been my favourite, you know, from yeah. Um, yeah. being an Australian. I've worn Bayern jerseys. I've worn all different, you know, club jerseys because Villa hasn't competed in Europe, so it hasn't really mattered, right? Yeah. But uh, I can't wait. I can't wait till we get a, a decent jersey down the track.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that uh, I wasn't really a fan of that Kappa stuff, no, to be honest. Um, I think uh, the last decent gear we had was all the Luke gear, I think. And, oh,
0: definitely. Uh... I think a lot of people will agree on that one. And Mate, I, I just uh, got a Kappa uh, jacket for my birthday, um, and... I absolutely love it. I don't think I took it off for a week after my birthday, but um, it already has some threads and stuff. So let's just hope. Uh, I think we find that in, doesn't matter who it is. I think the quality of stuff that we're sold these days by any manufacturer is really, uh, I don't want to say piss poor, but piss poor.
1: Oh, it is bad. Yeah. I mean, I remember like when I first, when I was a kid, starting to follow Villa and you had all the, the old retro jerseys like you know that are coming out as retro now, but they were the actual jerseys at the time, like the meter copiers with the, yep. the laces and you know the the Muller the, the Muller yogurt uh jersey we wore, we wore around the 94 and stuff. So they were Joe's jerseys like last forever, like they, they were they, the quality. I mean, looking back now, they, were, they weren't the nicest, but the, the quality like they they they'd lasted forever. like. It, have, it, itchy as hell. It.
0: Itchy as hell, but they lasted forever. <laughs> you,
1: I, you put the, you put these new jerseys in the wash now and they're
0: just done. <laughs> oh, I try not to. Like if I do, they're <laughs> out. They're on a gentle wash. Um, I reckon I've given more jerseys away from different sports than I even have in my drawer right now. Like I love seeing a kid who follows one of our clubs or, or follows an interest. I love being able to give them something that 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 starts that passion. And uh, I hope more people do that. I, I love seeing. Adults give a child that jersey and see the, the sparkle in the eye. Um, and that's how you get them on board, isn't it? You hook them in with the, oh, with
1: the jersey. Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. And it, and it is an important factor of sporting a club, too, you know, the gear. it's It, it, is, it adds to that tribalism, you know. Well, I can't tell you –
0: I coach a uh, girls' basketball team, and I can't tell you how many times I've worn a Villa jersey or a, a jacket and everything, and how many times people have come past me and said, "Ah, uh, oh, we love beating you. You know, like someone wearing yeah. an Arsenal jersey or someone wearing a Man U jersey. And it's really good because we're, we're now back as part of the conversation. Yeah. You know? So um, – Mark, before we go, we'd love to have you back on the pod, mate, throughout uh, throughout the season. We're going to get a number of Villa supporters on. So we hope we're, you, you you had a nice conversation and um, I hope you'd, you'd love to come back on again.
1: Oh, definitely, mate. Yeah, no problem. I'm happy to pop in any time over the season, you know. Um, I When the Villa, Villa come down for the tour, I go to Brisbane for the Villa Leeds game. Then, obviously, I'm in Perth. So they have the... Uh, United and Villa game here in Perth. And then the week after that I actually go home to Ireland for five weeks. Oh so, wow. Uh, so um I'm waiting anxiously for the, the, the fixture list to come out on the sixteenth of June and see what games I can fit in to pop over to Villa Park for. So I'm looking forward to that. So well Mark, you're catching up, uh you're gonna be catching up. You're
0: staying in Brisbane obviously for a day or two or just oh,
1: I'm up I'm up there for two nights, yeah.
0: Two nights, so you know that the um, there's going to be a number of pubs. So the Pig and Whistle in Queen Street Mall is actually owned by a Villa supporter, and so yes, so in Queen Street Mall, the main mall in Brizzy, the um, Pig and Whistle down the bottom of the mall is definitely owned by a Villa supporter because I've walked past him so many times and we've had discussions. Um, So that'll be there, I think, the night beforehand and on the day up at the Villa end, the Paddington is going to be the Villa Pub because most of the pub's um, leads have already taken over. So a lot of people tell you to go to the Caxton or the Caco. But the Paddington just up the road is where the Villa End is and that's actually going to be a Villa Pub for the day.
1: Sweet. That's and the...
0: I will be catching up with you 150% with so many other Villa supporters. I'm really looking forward to meeting you. No, um, same, same, but... man.
1: I'm looking forward to it. No, it's great to have them coming down. I'm just very lucky that it was the week it was because I could have been back in Ireland if it was any later. I think, I think that would have broke my heart.
0: <laughs> well, mate, it's just, it's think these things are meant to be. If you'd said a few years ago that you were going to be seeing Villa uh, in Perth and Brisbane and Townsville and stuff like that, I I, I probably would have laughed. Um but, hey, if we're going to move into Asian markets and move into America and stuff like that, they need to do these to us.
1: Yeah, I, I wonder um, I wonder how Gerard, like, like obviously the commercial side of it is very important, but just for this particular pre-season being so important, I wonder how Gerard feels about such a long trip so close to the season beginning, you know?
0: I don't think he'd be, I, I honestly don't think he'd be too excited. Um, I don't think he'd be too happy with it. And, yeah. and a lot of people don't even realise the journey between um, Brisbane to Townsville is the same distance as it is between Brisbane and Melbourne. Is it? Well, it is. That. Wow. I'm pretty sure, if I'm wrong, you can look it up, I'm pretty sure it's it's almost exactly the same distance. That's how big Queensland is and, you know, you live in WA.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy. I remember, like, um when I, when I first moved over here and I was going off to Sydney and my dad was like, oh, how long would the flight be? And I was like, uh about four four and a half hours. He couldn't believe it. He's like yep. <laughs> From one side of the country to the other, four and a half hour flight. Because if you did that from Ireland, you'd end up in, back and beyond to Spain or <laughs> you know, in or Lanzarote or something, you know? <laughs> well, I'm gonna
0: put a bit of pressure on you, Mark. Um, where are we gonna finish next year? Now you, I'm gonna give you a couple spots difference, but where where do you see us finishing next season?
1: Seven to eight um seventh or eight. And, and and I think the the difference will be how we recover after World Cup. Do we start back again well? Um yeah. um because our, all our main players I think our big players are going to be at the World Cup. Um seventh, I would like, you know, my heart says seventh, but my head would say seventh or eight. Um we need to not become this streaky team that we have been, winning yep. some, losing some. Um but yeah, no, I, I would I would expect us to finish in the top eight, but I don't want see us like hitting the top six, to be honest. No, in order why not without a few more signings. I think we're a season away from that.
0: And yeah. the other thing is something that we don't do well. If you go and have a look at the points tables the last few years, we we don't draw very often. We we win or we lose, and we're just going to have to get that middle ground because um, yeah. so many so many lost points. You know, if if you're losing six to eight points, that that's a number of spots, and that's millions of dollars as
1: well. And you look at Brighton. Look how many games they've 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 drawn, and they've finished well, fair fair bit above us in the end, you know. Um, 100%. So I mean, well, you see, Gerard says it in the interviews himself. You know, if you're gonna, if you can't win the game, make sure you don't lose it. You know, and I think I, 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 I think I think that will be the mentality. I think we'll be a lot harder to beat next year. You know.
0: Well, I, don't, I damn hope so because I can't keep giving up two 0 weeds with about fifteen minutes. <laughs> no, it's, it's destroying myself. Yeah,
1: oh, I know. I, I couldn't believe we threw that away against City, but as soon as the first goal went in, I know, I knew it was coming. Oh, we, I
0: think every single one of us did. As soon as that first goal went in, my head dropped. I was the, I, I think my smile almost broke my face when we were two 0 up, um, and then that first goal went in. And you ju- you just knew there was never any doubt we were going to lose it from there.
1: Yeah, I think um, Coutinho going off really handed hand, hand, handed it back to them. Um, yeah. no, I don't know the ins and outs. I don't know it was he the reason why he came off maybe it was a pre-planned move I don't know but he they couldn't commit as many men forward when Coutinho and Watkins were just sitting up there nope and nope. Um, yeah I just I just don't I, uh, I I get in theory why he did it but I I, I think off if he had to do it I think off would have been the smarter choice because because yep. yep. Coutinho with space like that you know and we might have even got a third no they were always going to score we were never going to hold a clean sheet in that game. But I, I was 2 2. I was thinking, all right, when they scored, but as soon as they scored, even 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 before they scored, I was like, this game's going to end up a draw. But I, I thought we'd draw. I thought we'd scrape a draw. But I knew if they got one, they'd get two. But just the manner of the first goal, I was like, nah, and it's a bang, bang, bang. And it's, yeah. uh, it really, even, even Coutinho himself looked baffled going off.
0: Well, we've got, uh, we're just about to go that we've also signed obviously um, a manager as an, as an assistant who I just can't believe he's left a club that's, he's really built up in the championship and he's come across to us as an assistant. I just, it's blown my mind to, you know, a lot of people are talking about Alonso coming to us and everything, but we've just yeah. picked up a manager of a championship club going places as our assistant. So, Maybe that brain's kind of trust is going, is going to uh, improve again next season as well.
1: Well, I'll give Gerard massive credit for one thing. He's not afraid to bring on people. You know, he's not, I'm the guy, I'm the guy. You know, he, 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 he seems to know his own limitations yep. and he brings in the right guys to cover that. And, and, and I think that's a massive credit to him for that because um, that, that shows where he wants to be. He doesn't just want to be Stephen Gerard, the great manager. He wants to be the manager of a great club. You know and, and 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 he he always talks about the importance of his backroom team, you know. So I would think Michael Beale. Look, I, I followed Michael Beale because, as I mentioned earlier, I, I've always been into the tactic and the coaching side of things. So I followed a lot of Michael Beale's um seminars and stuff long before yep. he ever came to Villa. I mean, he's really he's just such an interesting guy. His approach to football, and if you get a chance to listen to any of his stuff, like it's it's really good. So I was very disappointed, but he never ever shied away from. He always said he wanted to be a first-team like first team coach at some point himself, you know. Um, I thought he'd probably stay this year. But I think Gerard would have known this is coming for a while because the speed that they brought Neil Critchie in was outstanding. Oh, right? yeah, it felt,
0: it felt like, you know, a lot of respect between them. And I feel that that was, yeah, well fully really known. Mark, it's been a pleasure. You've got a beautiful voice. So uh, I'm looking forward to hearing you back and your knowledge of the, and love of the Villa, mate. Um, thank you so much. Can't wait to see you. Uh- Thanks for joining us for the Up the Villa podcast. My name's Paul. We were joined by Mark Holmes today. You can get me at paul underscore football on Twitter. You can get us at Australian Fans of Villa on Twitter and Facebook as well. And uh, we do this podcast generally every few days, if not every week or two. This is Up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. Go Villa!